morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Yes, I was up early this morning writing a new talk. So it's either going to be inspired or rubbish. <laughs> you can decide which way it's going to be. But what I have on my heart to share with you this morning is a fantastic verse from the book of Hebrews. And if I could have it on the screen, that would be great. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The third thing I want to say this morning from this uh, passage of Scripture as we just begin to unpack it is this. Jesus understands you. He gets you. He knows you. And he feels what you feel. It talks about in that verse, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Now, that word empathize in the Greek, it's sumpaheo. And it basically, in a nutshell, means this, to feel what you're feeling. Jesus feels what you're feeling. He knows what it's like to be in your skin. Because Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is God, the second person of the Trinity, became skin and bone. He clothed himself in skin so that he could feel what it's like for you to be in skin. He became a human with all the fragility and the weaknesses of what it is to be human and the limitations of what it is to be human. In fact, it says in the book of Philippians, he who is God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but lowered himself and took on the nature of a servant. In other words, he, he chose to limit himself by becoming human being, even though he was fully God. And so he gets you. He knows what it's like to be in your skin. He knows what it's like to feel what you feel. He knows what it's like to experience weakness. He got tired. He got hungry. He felt sorrow. He felt grief. It says when Lazarus, his, his friend, died and he stood before the grave, it said he wept. He knows what it's like to be uncertain. You know, he had to trust his father for the next step in life as a human being, just like you have to. He lived by faith in the Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, as an example for us to live by faith. He was our model. He was showing us how to do it. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to trust God for the next step, for the next meal. He says the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head down. The birds of the air have nests and the foxes have holes. I don't have anywhere to live. He knew what it was like to be tempted by sin. He knows what it is like to be tempted. He went into the wilderness and he was tempted 
fully tempted, not partially, fully tempted, yet he did not sin. And so the Holy Spirit, through the writer of Hebrews, and this is the Holy Spirit now, through the writer of the book of Hebrews, invites you, and he invites me in the light that Jesus gets you, knows you, feels what you feel, fully understands. He invites you to approach the throne that now Jesus sits on. Remember it says in the first verse, our high priest is now ascended into heaven. He is now sitting on the throne of God at the right hand of the Father, the place of power. And he says, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now, that sometimes in some versions uh, is used the word boldly. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace. Now, what does the original language in that, in the Greek mean for this? It means this, to have freedom in speaking, to be open, frank, hold nothing back. To hold nothing back. Have you ever needed something or wanted to ask somebody something, and you're kind of, you're, you're mincing your words, you're dumbing it down, you're trying to find the best way of putting it, not to put somebody's back up or come across wrongly, and so you don't really say what you want to say. Have you ever been in that situation? I'm sure you have. Well, this Holy Spirit through the right of the book of Hebrews is encouraging us that we don't have to be like that with God. We don't have to dumb it down, be careful with what we say. In fact, we are invited and encouraged to speak frankly and hold nothing back. The Greek words includes this, freedom of speaking, openness, frankness, hold nothing back, free, fearless. To be fearless, not to shrink back, but to be bold, a confident, and it also has the meaning of cheerful courage. Cheerful courage. So this is what you're invited to do today and every day, to boldly come before the throne of God and tell him what you need and ask him what you need help for. Because he, you come to a throne. Now, if you've ever been in a situation, I have been in these situations many times, where you, you, might, you might need some help. Supposing you want to phone up somebody or an organization. It might be customer care or something like this. I mean, recently, my father, who's 92, um, he broke his dentures. And he snapped both, all of his, I don't know how he did it, but they were completely snapped in two, and they looked like a Rubik's Cube. You just didn't know how these things fit together. And super glue wasn't going to do it. So uh, my wife, Sarah, uh, phoned up his dentist, and she said, oh, because it's COVID, and he hasn't been to the dentist appointment for two years, He's now been taken off the dentist register. So we can't give him an appointment unless he re-registered. And the waiting list was nine months. Now, he's 92 years old, and he can't eat. He's got no teeth. 
And no matter how hard we tried, we couldn't get him an appointment. So we even went to the doctors. So we went to the doctors and said, who's his doctors, and explained the situation. He said, and they said, well, the, the medical health care that we deal with and dentistry are two different departments. We can't do anything about it. They weren't in a position of connectivity or connection to be able to meet my dad's needs here or help us meet him. It was, we were powerless. Nothing that could be done. And the doctors said to us, in nine months, if he doesn't get this sorted, he will be dead. Have you ever been in that type of situation where you just need something done, but you can't find the right person who's in the position or in the power or have the authority to sort it for you, and you can't sort it yourself? You're outside of the loop. That's what we were in like. Now, thankfully, in one of the many conversations and phone calls that Sarah was making, she found somebody that found somebody who could actually help. And they didn't actually get to see the dentist, but they actually found somebody who fixed the teeth for 60 pounds within an hour. And now he can eat again, and he's not dead. But have you ever been in that situation where you needed something, and it's so difficult when you just can't find the solution or somebody to help you. You go round and round and round in circles and you might phone a customer care and they send you one department, two department, three department more and then you end up at the beginning where you started with and you've already spent maybe an hour or two on the phone. Yes. It's not like that with God because we come to Jesus who is on the throne and the throne is a place of power and authority, and he's the one who's connected, and he's the one who has the power, and he's the one who says, leave it with me, I'll sort it. And he does. So the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, me today, in the light that Jesus knows what it's like to sit on your seat, walk in your shoes, live in your skin, feel what you feel, knows your weakness, knows your challenge. In the light of that, he gets you. And because he gets you, the Holy Spirit says, come to Jesus. He's on the throne. You won't be going round and round in the circle. You won't be getting the no. He's on the throne, and he has the power to help Resolve, sort it, intervene, help you. And it's fantastic. He gets things done for you. Now, it's not just the throne of power, though. He says, let's come to the throne of grace. Now, what does that mean? The throne of grace means that he reaches out to help you. He's not just got the power, but he's got the heart and the grace. Now, grace means favor. In fact, grace means undeserved favor. Jesus has the power, but his attitude towards you is one of absolute, complete favor. He approves of you. 
Well, I don't, I'm not worthy of approval. It's got nothing to do with it. He died upon the cross, took your sin, took your wrongdoings, took your shame, took your disapproval. And now he's risen from the grave. Everything that would cause disapproval is left in the grave. He's alive on the throne. And now he has absolutely approval for you because of your faith in him. So you approach, when you come to, because, oh, I don't think I'll come to the approach, uh, the, the throne of God again. He's probably sick and tired of me banging on about this. No. He doesn't give it a second thought. That's not how he's wired up. We're wired up like that. He's not wired up like that. He's wired up with grace. He approves of you. He accepts you. He cares for you. The throne of grace is the place of yes. Now, when our children were small, Chloe... No, I don't think you... you, you We never got to do this with you. We got to do it once with you, didn't you? But Matthew and Rachel because you were only a little tiny little baby, every year I used to take the children camping, and I think I got to do it once with you and all of the kids, didn't we? Before they were too old to go. I would take them camping, just me and the kids, once a year, every year, for a weekend. Mum was at home, just the three of us, and all the two of us. And I made a secret decision I never told the kids this. It was a secret decision. That everything they asked me on that weekend would be yes. Dad, can I have an ice cream? Yes. Dad, can we have fish and chips? Yes. Dad, can I have pudding? Yes. Can I have more pudding? Yes. Dad, can we go to the beach? Yes. Dad, can we go swimming? Yes. Dad, can we have a burger? Yes. Dad, can we go to this? Yes. Can I have a milkshake? Yes. Can I have a coke? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I never told them that, because you know, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> but, but I made a decision that it would be yes. We had a great weekend. Everything was just, even the things I didn't want to do. Like, I really don't like getting wet, and I don't like getting cold. So, I don't like swimming. Gab, <laughs> can you stop swimming? Yes. <laughs> it was, it was, I was yes, Dad, for that weekend. No was banned from my vocabulary. Whether they deserved it, whether they were naughty, whether they fought each other, whether I have to tell them ten times to put that down, it was, it was irrelevant to the response they were going to get. That's grace. And we come to Jesus, and he sits in power, and he has the throne of grace. So we can approach him with confidence, boldly, no timidity, not uncertain, not doubtful, but sure. And at this throne, it says, we can find mercy, 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 not disappointment, mercy, not his anger, mercy, not his judgment, mercy, not his rejection. At his throne, you will find help in your time of weakness. We all have weaknesses. Fears, insecurities, sins, unhelpful habits, wounds where people have said or done something to us, and now we find every time we think of that person or see that person, we might feel a pain, a wound, a regret. 
and anger, might be struggling with a bitterness or an unforgiveness or an unhelpful attitude. It might be a resentment or a regret, a jealousy. We have insecurities and sensitivities. We have lack of skills that rob us of confidence, things that we know that we should do or can't do, want to do, but we know we can't. But at the throne of grace, you find Jesus helps you because he gets you. And he's positioned his heart towards you in grace so we can get help in time of need. So we keep coming back and back and back and back, knowing that if we haven't received what we need the first time, it's not that he doesn't want to. It's not that he's holding back. Jesus says, he told a disciple of the widow who went to the unjust judge and asked for justice. And this unjust judge neither cared about God or feared, near feared God or cared about man, it says. But because she kept coming back, he says, I will give her what she wants because she'll wear me out otherwise. And he told that story, he says, so that we would always pray and not give up. Because if we always pray and not give up, we will get what we need and what we ask for. Why? Because it's a, it's, it's a parable of comparisons. A widow in those days had no rights. So if you go to a judge, which is all about rights, a widow had no rights. Her testimony in court was not to be even listened to. She had no rights. So she, so, so she says, actually... He says, if, how much more will your heavenly Father give justice to those who keep pleading to him day and night? So he, he says, actually, you're not a, like an orphan, like a widow. You've got a father. And because you've got a father, you've got rights. So he's comparing it. You're not, keep coming to God. Because if this widow's got no rights, gets an answer... How much more will you get because you are a son and a daughter and you have rights, so keep coming back to the throne of grace and the throne of power. And then he draws this comparison between the judge and the father. So he's a father, not a judge. And he's not even an unjust judge. He's a heavenly father that loves you. So you've got rights, but you're not coming to somebody who's unjust and this widow got what you wanted. You're coming to a father who loves you, who has compassion. How much more shall your heavenly father bring justice? So he says, it's all stacked up in your favor. You've got rights and you come to somebody who's got compassion upon you and wants to help you. So keep coming to the throne of grace. You might have come once and given up. Don't give up. Keep coming, because Jesus loves you. He's on the throne. He has the power. He's for you. He's your high priest. He knows what it's like to be in your skin, to walk in your shoes. So in the light of this, keep coming, that you might have help in your weakness when you need it. I remember when we we're going to buy our first building in Penlan. And we had a vision 
that God had told us to turn it into a community center and serve the community. We were going to set up the gap, which is like a, a school for uh, kids who were, uh, about, who, were in, who were just basically dropping out of the system and the education system wasn't working for them. We were going to serve the community with adult education classes, counseling classes, and we had a whole raft of services for the community. There was about 15, 20, no more than 30 of us in the church at the time when we went on this project. Um, I started the church when I was 29 years old. Nearly everybody was significantly younger than me. So basically, uh, we didn't have the money, we didn't have the experience, we didn't have the wisdom, we didn't have the skills, and we were clueless as to what we were doing (laughs) and making up as we were going along. And now... God was challenging us to serve our community with buying a building and developing community center projects that demanded some skill. And I remember walking down Valindra Reservoir, where I often go and pray, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I and we do not have the resources, the money, the skills, the ability to do this thing that you are asking us to do. Just clearly, before the throne of growth, you're telling us to do this, (laughs) we cannot do it. (laughs) And I heard the Holy Spirit say, clear as a bell, as you need it, I will provide it. When you need it, I'll provide it. Now, in due course, we eventually scrabbled enough money to actually buy this derelict, smashed up building. And I said to Sarah, when we, I said to Sarah, when we, signed to buy this building, the type of person we need, we need somebody, and the type of person we need is um, a lady called Sue Simpson. Now, Sue Simpson was a member of the church that we used to work for in Hereford, and she was the manager of the then largest hotel in Herefordshire, in Hereford. And she was a very bright, very clever very capable, very resourceful individual. And I knew if we had somebody like Sue Simpson, we would have the, the skills to be able to get some of the grants and organize some of the management and the process and the project management particularly that would get us to that place where we could deliver some project because we didn't know what it takes. Do you remember this? Anyway, I, I remember saying this clearly to say, that's the type of skill set we need. Now, I didn't think for a million years that Sue Simpson, who was manager of this major hotel, would come and leave her job and join us. That was ridiculous. But the day that we signed, I remember the phone ringing in the hallway where we were living in 856 Langevelle Road, and I picked it up, and I hadn't spoken to this woman for about five years, because we moved from Hereford many years ago. And it was, hi, Julian, it's Sue Simpson here. And she said this, she said, this week I was in prayer with my prayer partner and after we finished praying, I looked up and said, I need to move to Swansea to help Julian and Sarah. I almost put the phone down and I didn't say anything. And she actually resigned from her job, well self-employed as a bookseller, to help us get the funding and the resources and even a project manager that, that get, us, get us up and running 
to get into our first building with staff and start our first projects. Stu Simpson, if you're listening, wherever you might be on, in the world right now, thank you. You were, um, thank you for listening to God. Thank you for being, being, uh, being obedient to him. We couldn't have done it without you. As you need it, I will provide it. Absolutely weak, didn't have the ability, but God had called us, hey, that might be you. You might be in a situation where you've taken some steps and you, in faithful, sincere obedience to what you believe is the will of God, you found yourself somewhere, it's beyond you, it's not beyond God. Come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in your weakness and in your time of need. Doesn't matter how many times you come to the throne of grace. Some people said to me, they might be struggling with something, a failure, a sin, a habit, a problem, and they keep coming back saying, I've said it again, I've done it again, I should have done it, but I didn't do it, and they keep coming back because it's a weakness. And they think, oh, God won't forgive me again. Surely God won't forgive me again. The disciples, humanly speaking, had this problem, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, if somebody comes up to me and they've sinned against me, and uh, they come again. How many times should I forgive them? Seven times? I mean, they were being really generous. <laughs> and Jesus, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. Basically, they said, well, this is impossible. Who can he do that? Well, with everything, with God, everything is possible. But this is God's heart towards you. If you mess up, and you sincerely said, look, I messed up, I want to try again, you get forgiveness. Simple as that. Now, when Paul preached this astonishing message of grace, I'll be finishing in two minutes, when he preached this astonishing message of grace, he was misunderstood, and people says, oh, well, in that case, let's all sin all the time, so the grace of God which may abound, and God will get more glory because he gets to forgive us, and he gets glorified just because his heart's so tender. And then he says, no, you're thinking like a human being. When you really, really understand the grace of God, yes, you do get forgiven, but when you understand the grace of God, you understand it in a way that inspires you to want to live more dedicatedly and devotedly and carefully for Jesus. It says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. In other words, understanding the incredible grace that he gives you causes you to want to live for him more and more. So just keep coming for your mercy and for your help in time of weakness. The verse that we've just read starts with this. Let us hold on to the faith we profess. The key to all this is holding on to faith holding on that you have a savior that's on the throne, that you had a savior that is full of grace towards you. You have a savior who's benevolent and cares for you. You have a savior that will answer your prayers if you keep coming. Just keep coming. Hold on to, hold on firmly to the faith we possess. So go to God, 
Tell him plainly, bluntly, and clearly what you need. Let us approach the throne of grace continually. So I'd like some of the band to come up. This is what we're going to do. Just a few of you. Thank you. We're going to sing something where if you have a need today, whatever that need is, it might be a relational need, a family need, it might be a financial need, it might be a physical need, it might be a personal need. If you have a need, whether it's for mercy or help, if there's a weakness that you need God to come and clothe you in his power, he says, I glory in my weakness so the power of God may rest upon me. If you have a weakness so the power of God may rest upon you, if you're cracked and broken like most of us are to one degree or another, and you just want his glory to shine through those cracks, you know the, you know the light of God in you is not diminished by your brokenness. The light of God shines through the cracks. If you want God's grace and God's light and gr- mercy to shine through, I'm, I'm, when they're singing, we're going to stand and sing this song together. I want you to tell Jesus what you need plainly. No hesitation, no coyness, plainly, and ask him boldly like you're going to get it. Because he loves that type of prayer. So let's stand together if any of that relates to you. Thank you, guys. Just sing a verse or two, and then I'll lead you in the rest. Oh 
now to, as the music's playing, to come in a manner that you know you're standing before the throne of grace and Jesus is on that throne. The King with all power. And I want you to allow your faith to be bold enough to accept his grace. He doesn't judge you, he doesn't point the finger at you, he doesn't disapprove of you, he welcomes you. There is nothing because of his work on the cross and because of your faith in him that would disqualify you from receiving every good thing that you need. So tell him what you need. If it's forgiveness, tell him plainly what it is you need forgiveness for. If there's a weakness, if there's a need, if there's a wound, if there's a hurt, if there's a help from God that you need because you just don't feel as if you can do this thing, if there's something that is beyond your control, but you really do need it sorted and a solution to come to him, tell him clearly, plainly, without holding back, and with absolute boldness, ask him for it, and thank him that he will do it for you. Don't question whether the good thing you want God to do for you is his will. Of course, if it's good, it's his will. He says, "Your pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If there's healed relationships in heaven, well, you can pray that. If there's enough for you in heaven, whether it's to live and do life and you don't have enough, well, of course, you can pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. If there's a tear, a grief, a wound in your heart that's hindering you and causing you to walk through life with a destructive despair in your life, well, it says in heaven every tear is wiped away. There is no mourning. It's all, it's joy and laughter. So your will be done as it is in heaven. What's the will of God? Look into heaven, see what's there, and then say, oh, gosh, it's, it's a good thing. So you don't question, you don't have to question whether this good thing is God's will. It is. It's just a matter of coming before the throne of grace boldly, telling him what you need and asking him and thanking him and keep coming so that that good thing may increasingly unfold and become a reality in your life. Do that now. Now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to fill and move upon every single heart in this room and listening online and fill every person 
with a courage and with a confidence and with a faith in your grace and in your goodness and in your will and in your care and compassion for them that will move them by this revelation to keep coming to your throne. Never to stop coming to your throne and to continually ask you that your goodness and your help will continually pour into their lives that we may grow in the grace and in the help and in the empowerment of God for living. Do that, Holy Spirit. May the eyes of everybody's hearts be enlightened that we may know the rich inheritance that we have in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take your seats. Thank you for listening.